space, the final frontier. Space Station Ashland sits on the edge of Federation space with its companionship, the USS Dalamis Christian. The space around them is full of mystery and strange wonders, where secrets are kept and danger lurks around every corner. The crew of the Dalamis Christian must navigate treacherous waters as they work to protect the Federation. But as they peer into the unknown, they will discover that the line between friend and foe is not always clear. They will be tested like never before and will face challenges that will push them to their limits. Join us on this adventure as we explore the farthest reaches of space and uncover the hidden truths that lie within the shadows. Tabletop Journeys presents Star Trek Preservations. Star Trek Preservations. On the heels of last month's episode, where you had successfully navigated the somewhat tricky diplomatic situation with the Zindi, they have been happily placed on a world and also signed a negotiated pact with the Ferengi Damon Brazig to provide transport back and forth from not only the Zindi system, but also to various other space stations in and around the area, including Asplen Station. You all know this. I don't care for setbacks. We're out here on a very important mission. Tobor, you and I had this conversation. I'm not yelling. I am not throwing things. I'm trying to adapt to change a, a little bit here, but I'm not pleased. <laughs> I am not looking to violate the terms of our contract. Again, very happy with the terms of our contract. I wish to underscore that emphatically. I'm very happy with the terms of our contract. There is something, though, that if if you were uh, if you were an adventuring, enterprising type, that uh, perhaps you could look into for me. There there may be a little something. And he scoops a big bowl of rot grubs into his bowl and starts chomping away at them voraciously. Yeah. I go in for the uh, the, the squash fruit and, like, mm-hmm. slice open the full thing and thump. Yep. Yep. Uh, it, 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 is, it is everything that you can imagine a vegetable called the fuzz gourd tastes like. Mm, so Beautiful. Yeah. Dinner continues on, small talk, everything like that. Nothing else particularly exciting. There is drink, there is food, everyone is happy. And then dinner ends and Brazig uh, excuses himself and uh, I'm like, leaves well, you. Yeah. I'll have my attorney send you the, the details. Yep. Yes, as we said, 9% with the paperwork. Yes, I get it. 10 plus paperwork. Ah, nice try, Just though. making sure you're paying attention. Wouldn't Check. expect anything else with a man with your lobes, Damon. <laughs> yes. We will see you soon. Let me know if there is anything else that we can do to assist. Of course. Tanari, Azra, you got the data you needed from your counterparts? I assume we have. Yep. Okay. They've sent over. Yep. They sent over. There's a, a bunch of black box information from a bunch of freight vessels that have tried to per, tried to go through the go through the nebula, and we'll get into that. In, uh, when as you start pouring through it, but you've received it. It's you know. All right. So. All right. Top yep. my communicator badge. Dolomis Christian six to beam back. Was this nebula the one that was eclipsing some of the space anomalies? 
Yes, it yeah. was. There was part of it. Yeah, and so that's and it is. You would also know too that based on those scan results, it's beyond the nebula. Those subspace anomalies. That's where the Michael Collins has been sent to go and investigate. Actually, so it's based on your information. Yep. Lieutenant, that was very, it's always nice to stretch my negotiating legs and get paid to do something we were going to do anyway. But the good Damon doesn't need to know that. Good catch <laughs> on the, the data, Lieutenant. Thank you, sir. I just didn't want to go in there blind. Yep. Go ahead and review what you've got with your flight control team. Get them briefed on it. Of course, Lieutenant Tanari, you and your engineers can start tearing apart what data the Damon ships collected. We'll see if we can't also circle in the science department on this as well. Yes, of course. Yes. Tap whoever you need. Mr. Chilzerin, please coordinate with the uh, the various departments that the engineering gets everything they need to process this data. That was some really good Andorian ale. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> Great work, everyone. Catch you tomorrow at our uh, 0830 briefing. Isn't it normally 0800? 0830, Lieutenant. Yes, sir. <laughs> so. <laughs> Excellent. So, 830 the next morning comes around and the logs have been digested. Tanari, they, the, your, uh, you tasked somebody with kind of reading through the engineering records that you were, that you received, and they provided you a, basically a, like a bullet-pointed snapshot of, of what they said. And there are a variety of things that, uh, that were found by these ships. The, so first of all, the nebula itself is, is named the Carina Porphyrion, and the majority of the reports from ships trying to pass through it find that their warp capability is reduced because they keep hitting unexpected and unexplained gravity wells. They basically, uh, the dense space gets denser and they're not able to plow through it. And that's what's basically reducing their effectiveness. There are other reports coming from ships, and they're not frequent. It's not every ship that experiences this, but it's probably the most unexplained thing. And the thing that is most interesting in some of the logs are that some ships, as they're passing through the nebula, also experience temporal echoes. Things like persons moving down a hallway goes to enter a door, and instead of entering the room that they're expecting, they're 50 feet back in the hallway continuing to walk down it. Small temporal loops that have effect. And there are other things in there too, but those are that's that's the thing, one thing that your that your engineer highlighted as this is weird. That's unusual. Gravity wells happen in nebulas. It could be any variety of things. We probably just have to pilot around them. But temporal echoes are weird. Any of these consistent with any of the subspace effects that have been seen in this area of space? No subspace anomalies acknowledged on any of the engineering reports. Which is maybe maybe a little bit surprising by its absence, but the the subspace readings that you guys have been studying now for now several months at this point, they don't seem you're not seeing the characteristics of them in these engineering reports. It doesn't seem to be the cause. So it's almost like the nebula is insulated from the subspace anomalies. Yeah, I would think that would be appropriate. Again, you it could also be not affecting this particular region of space. Again, when you did your, your sensor screens last time, it was like the subspace anomalies were centered beyond it. And so whatever is happening, whatever is happening in this region of subspace doesn't seem to be contributing. Uh, maybe it's more specific to go ahead and say it doesn't seem to be contributing to the increased gravity readings that they're finding or the temporal anomalies that they're finding. It, it's, there doesn't seem to be a correlation between the two. Are the gravity wells fixed? So can I start to extra extrapolate a map, a route through them? You can certainly, I would give you a roll to go ahead and see if you can map them, sure. All right. There's again, multiple ships worth of log data that, are re that read gravity wells in multiple places. So how would you like to proceed there? I'm thinking this is reason for the attribute and- Con? I mean, it's con, yeah. Yeah, exactly. If I'm mapping. Again, on, on my on my cheat sheet here, plot a course through a difficult environment or interpret navigational data. That seems like con and reason to me. I need you to roll 2d20, and your goal is to go ahead and roll underneath the combination of those two numbers. The combination of my two numbers. Uh, of con uh, plus reason, yep. 15. 
I have a 10 and a 15, and 15 okay. was the number I was trying to hit. And this would be a two difficulty challenge because it's fairly difficult to go ahead and do. So what? So she succeeded, but the ship's computers was also helping Joe's. Yes, uh, probably. So computer con is 13, and I rolled a two, okay, which is under the ship's con, and the so ship always acts as though it has the appropriate focus. So that is two successes. Excellent. Fabulous. So two successes for Arza, two successes for the computer, meets the challenge, plus awards two momentum to the crew. Gotta love that. Excellent. As you are examining the gravity wells, you note that they are not fixed. Every ship is reporting them in a in a different a different position, different way, different intensities. So even if, if ship A and ship B kind of encounter gravity that seems to be pulling them in the same direction, the intensities vary. So they really don't seem like they are the same gravity wells each time, which is which would make plotting a course difficult through there. I would let you, if you wanted to go ahead and get additional information, that's certainly an option with the uh, with the momentum that you guys just earned, but that definitely seems to be a complication to doing that. There doesn't seem to be a course through it because they aren't courseable. They're not consistent. It might be worth spending the momentum to see if you can get, like, a, if they have a consistent orbit. I agree. Commander, thoughts? Yeah, sure. Let's uh, go ahead and get as much information together we can before we arrive. So, putting kind of that parameter into the computer to go ahead and ask if it has a if these gravity wells have a recognizable recognizable orbit, the computer will spit back spit back and say that it does not have a recognizable orbit. However, they do seem to have a repetitive periodicity that is not orbital. So it's almost like the gravity wells are moving, but that they are moving in a consistent manner that isn't orbital. Does it appear to be, I don't want to use the word patrol, but does it feel like it's a, not an intelligent pattern, but a a patrol? Yeah, we'll use the word patrol or hunting path or foraging path. If it's right, especially if it's regular. I will give you the option of spending the additional momentum that was earned to ask that question or rolling for it. I think I'll roll for it. Okay. I like it. Okay. So that would be, what would I be rolling on that? Let's see. Looking for a pattern. Yeah. So that would be reason. Yes. Yep. I think. Okay. And probably... Think it's still conned. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Because exactly. Uh, so you're not trying to plot your own course. You're trying okay. to see if somebody else is plotting a yeah. course through it. Yeah. Um. Yep. Not my strength. I got an eleven. But you know what? Let's try it. Yep. Do it. Up. I was gonna say, is there any way that I can help him on that? Because that's exactly what I'm trying to do: is find the pattern to plot a course. Yep. You could. You can roll a d20 to aid him. Sure. And it would be the same roll. Ocean would roll first, and then depending on his success, then you would be able to go ahead and roll. I rolled an eleven and a seven, and you're and it was an eleven. Yes. Okay, cool. All right, so you've met the challenge, Arza. You can still continue to go ahead and roll if you would like. One or two, just one if you're eighty. Eight, which is under my fifteen. Fabulous. So you get the momentum that you spent last time. You get it back. Cool. Yay. So it is. Excuse me. You are finding as you are interpreting the data to see if it is a if it is if it is like. Again, uh, I'm, I'm trying not to use the, like the word patrol, but so you're basically trying to go ahead and see if it's a ship that's causing it, something like that, something that's moving through it, and that is causing the gravity wells. Is that basically what you're doing? Not necessarily a ship, but something that is trackable. Yep. And I'm just looking for the regularity of it so I can plot. Yep. Yeah. Yep. See if we can so, figure out where it's going to be next. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So as you're clicking the parameters to go ahead and crunch down the data, you are seeing uh, a pattern kind of emerge from it. And it is based on something big, something large, like a some sort of like a hidden star system or something within the nebula that is so it's but that isn't 
acting in a way that a star system normally would. Again, the lack of orbital data. It's almost like when you take like a baseball and put it at the end of a string and you throw the baseball and it comes back to you. So it's and sometimes like when you throw it out, it doesn't always come straight back at you. Like it, it you throw it out, it comes off to the left or off to the right. Or if if you have a soccer ball on a rope that you stake to the ground and you kick it and how it comes back to you, it can bounce and it can like whir around and stuff like that. That's almost what it looks like. It's like something's fishing with this. Almost like something's fishing. Yeah, almost like flagellating on a galactic scale. This is probably the Hail Mary. But while they're doing that, can I try entering the data into the Universal Translator to see if maybe this is some kind of language? That's fascinating. I love this idea. You can. It's going to take some. It's going to take a little bit to for the universal trans for the computers in in the ship to crunch that. But the universal translator's not saying no. It just doesn't know yet. But no. But you've also experienced before that, like, if you're putting in information that is not linguistic, universal translator be like, no, this is not language. I can tell you that right up front. Mm-hmm. The universal translator's not saying no, but it also doesn't quite know what it is. Okay. So that's what you're able to get from the logs in that you were given. They also... Yeah, go ahead. Ocean and Azara also said that it looked like there might be some kind of, like, system in there. Is it possible to set up a program on the computer to maybe, as we're approaching with our sensors, start to track the gravitational dynamics in there, see if maybe we can figure out what's in there maybe figure out where the center of this is yeah totally absolutely it would take you i would want to so you have the engineering crew basically on the ship go ahead and recalibrate the sensors in a way that's specifically analyzing this data and trying to go ahead and find more of it as you're approaching to try to go ahead and narrow down where it may be centered does that sound right and maybe to try to triangulate a little better if the captain is willing, send out the both the Eagle and the Kitty Hawk, since they both have enhanced sensors, at a certain distance so that we can get three points of reference as we're approaching the nebula so we can essentially triangulate in on some of these locations. I like it. How do you like that, Tobor? Yeah, I was mostly going to suggest something similar while when we get to and start actually mapping the nebula in detail, but I don't see why it wouldn't hurt to have them coordinating while we're doing longer range scans. Do the patterns make any more sense if there's something within this system that is not or negative? Does that make sense from a... I'm unfamiliar with the technical jargon for it, but... So I'm in the not same sure way that I black matter is, or dark oh, oh, matter so is. like dark matter. So almost like yes. a. So you're not looking for something in the nebula. You're looking for something that is taken away from the nebula. Right. Yeah. A negative space that is mm-hmm. still has gravitational pull, but does not exist in our awareness. Like maybe if there's a large anti-gravity source in there. The computer would say that analysis could be an explanation for the temporal anomalies. That if there was something that was not of normal space, stuck within normal space, that one of the possible side effects would be temporal distortion. If it was large enough and massive enough. Or we were talking something like a planet or a star that normally would be out of phase that stuck within phase? Bigger than that. But yeah. What's bigger than a star? A star system? A galaxy? sphere? Oh. Uh, yeah. It would have to be very... In order to go ahead and warp space-time in that way, it would have to be really massive. More than just like a rogue star. Because it's a nebula. There's a million stars in the nebula. Like the, But none of... Warp time's not being warped by any of them. Like that's... It would have to be more than a star. Could it be uh, a Dyson structure? Certainly. That would qualify, theoretically. I assume we're having all this data breakdown as we're flying to the nebula. Sure. And yep, getting that's that fine. taken care of. So. Yeah. Yep. 
Cool. How close to the nebula would you like to get? And then at what point would you like to launch the shuttles? So I'm going to answer your question with a question. <laughs> How close do I need in order to get better data from our sensor scans than sure. what we're getting yep. further away? Sure. I would say that if you are... Rather than put an exact number on it, let's just say that analyzing the data from the other vessels enough, how close you can get without experiencing the symptoms that they've reported at the points that they've reported them, you can the computer can give you that distance and you can be outside the event horizon and not be affected and still get readings. Perfect. Yes. Yeah, so we go to sensor range. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Some, somewhere between medium and large range, right? Exactly. So it's like sensor range. Yeah. Okay. So who would like to, again, this is, uh, Tanari, I think I'm going to give the role to you because your team was recalibrating the sensors to, to go ahead and do this. Let's start with seeing how successful they are at inputting the data and recalibrating the sensors. Okay. Start so there. the sensors then would probably be reason engineering. Yep. I'm cool with that. Yep. This would be a difficulty one challenge for the for the team. It's not unusual for them to go ahead and do to do sensor readings, right. to do sensor adjustments. And can we get someone to roll for the ship on this? Absolutely. All right. So my difficulty okay. is fourteen on this. I got a one and a nineteen, so that's two Excellent. successes. I like it. And sensors engineering's a twelve, and I got a fourteen. Okay, so no help from the ship on this one, but one momentum from the engineering crew. They have tuned the sensors to go ahead and look for kind of exactly what you were finding before, find additional patterns and everything like that. And as the computers are whirring and buzzing, it's... If anyone's watching like the science panel as it's going through there, you notice that the computer freezes. In fact, I'm going to spend to threat to introduce a complication the it's like the sensors stop for a second and then they come back on and that it begins booting and it's asking for input again okay did it pick up anything before the freeze uh if you look back through the logs it noticed that there was a almost like a like a temporal wave as if you uh, had dropped a like a, dropped a pebble in a lake and kind of the ripple that would flow out an increase in tachyon presence and then the the sensor the computer bank running the sensor sweep stopped just stopped all right first of all contact the bridge inform them about this temporal event and then I want to run a diagnostic on the computers to make sure that it didn't do any permanent harm. Yep. Doesn't seem to be any permanent har harm. Basically, the sensors got overloaded. It was looking for one thing, and then when that other thing, it was especially tuned to go ahead and look at one thing. So when the other thing came, it, it, it didn't like corrupt the data, but it corrupted the process. It recognized that it was getting caught. It got in like an unending logic loop and it recognized that it was happening and shut itself down to not damage itself. In computer programming, like if it was like in a looping condition that didn't have an exit, it got stuck in this loop and it recognized it and shut itself down. But the diagnostic is, so it's, it seems like a normal process for the computer bank when they experience this, but then... Athletes come across enough temporal anomalies that they've come up with a way to keep it from messing up the computers. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. You know, We've had to defeat enough evil AI computers with logic loops that we don't get stuck yep. in our own. Yep. Tobor, as you are getting this report from Tanari in engineering, what are you doing? Uh, what are you doing with? It? And actually, too, Ocean from from Station Heads, you're getting reports that various crew members reported strange temporal loops, like you heard in the log files, where mm -hmm. they were walking down a hallway and went to open a tur uh, went to enter a turbo lift, and when they stepped into the turbo lift, they were leaving their quarters instead. Those kind of things, and it's, it was not a dramatic temporal loop, but it was like. 10 seconds. And how like close is the nebula are we? Sensor range. 
You're within sensor range. You're not experiencing any, any of the gravitational uh, wave. And so you wonder if, if this kind of, again, it's like a ripple in a pond is how the computers are interpreting it. That it may have been, there may have been something that happened in the nebula that just had some leakage. Excellent. Sir, we are receiving reports of temporal deja vu on decks 2, 6, and 12. Interesting. It's not the entire ship is not experiencing the same level of phenomenon. Our sensors didn't attract this, did it? It did start when we started scanning. So I'll get up out of my chair and walk back around to one of the science stations Mm -hmm. and start keying in. And that's essentially the question I'm going to be looking at is like the time in our sensor harmonics versus when this happened. Mm Mm-hmm. Because essentially the logic and physics, even this far in the future, is we're still shooting some sort of energy out and it's bouncing off of stuff and coming back. That's going to be, I want to see if that correlates with the temporal effect. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I will happily let you make a roll on that and you'll get the assistance from the ship's computers also. Reason science. I love it. Yep. Now, would this subspace theory work? or would I need more? It is it is decidedly not subspace, right? Okay. And that's because you have seen no indication that it is at, at all related to, to the subspace phenomena that you guys have been tracking. All right. And what's my difficulty I'm looking for? I would say that this is a one difficulty. That's fine. All right. I'll go ahead and just reason science. Yep. And then before, while you're doing that. Looking for a 14. Uh, nine and a two, so two successes. Okay, great, excellent. Does anybody want to roll for the ship also to assist? I can roll for the ship. What are, and we're rolling. So this it would be computer yeah. science. Computer science is twelve for the ship. I got an eleven, so that's an extra success. Okay, excellent, cool. Question. Uh, yes. I don't remember hearing anybody say it. We're still outside the nebula, correct, correct. or no? Yep. You're at okay. sensor range to the nebula, correct. What was the question that you were asking, Tobor, just so I can go ahead and make sure to answer that one correctly? Yeah, so I know you want to go to the looking, sensor bank, and yep. I'm looking if our sensors is what triggered the time dilation mm. event. Okay. There is no evidence that your sensors triggered it. However, the sensors were getting back information that the sen- that the computer was digesting at the point that the temporal anomaly happened. And it does seem the sensors were coming to a conclusion about... Because again, remember, the sensors were trying to find a origin point. And the sensors had found the origin point, at least to a region of space within the nebula. When the temporal wave happened, they were trying to crunch data that they were receiving back from that from that kind of origin that they weren't understanding. And that and then the, the temporal wave happened and it, it blanked that out. But at least it's the sensors are now keying in on a particular space of the nebula. So but it doesn't okay, seem related. It doesn't seem related necessarily. It doesn't seem like the sensors were activating it or triggering it or anything like that. But it does seem, again, like you got, it, it, the computers are saying you got caught, again, like a, temp, a temporal ripple, um, but that they had found the type of activity that you guys were looking for. So I'm going to spend the, the bonus momentum from the high resolution sensors to ask the, the follow up question Did the temporal loop? appear to be some sort of like defensive reaction like we found them and then they were like nope that's not it the temporal wave seems to have been triggered by a unexpected and unexplained movement surrounding what the computer believes to be a small singularity within the nebula, like a micro black hole within the nebula. And there is unexplained movement that as the computer is analyzing it, that the the temporal wave was caused by a bioplasmic emission. All right. Bioplasma indicates something organic. 
or something possibly living. As you're looking at it, the sensors, which again, had kind of been rebooted by this thing, they, again, the computers are, we don't want to make any conclusions about this and not be right. It's almost like, it's like they're like, they're second, the computers are almost second guessing their calculations on this because it's very weird. Um, but ultimately, as you are reading the results, your LCARS changes to pinpoint a location of an unknown biologic. How big is the biologic being registered? The biologic field that it is surveying is roughly 23 billion kilometers wide. That's a lot of kilometers. And I, I, what percentage of mass does that make up of the nebula? It makes up nearly 2% of the mass of the nebula. And it is 315% denser on average than other areas of the denser, uh, of the nebula. Probably more, actually more than that, probably 3,000 times denser than other, the average density of the remaining nebula. That's Josh not knowing what the number would be between something that is nebula and something that is ostensibly solid. So whatever that number is, that's how much denser that area is than the nebula. Way more dense. If joining the Tabletop Journeys actual play games sounds like the kind of fun you're looking for, be sure to check out patreon.com slash ttjourneys where patrons of the Tabletop Journeys podcast not only get early access to all of our episodes, but they get the opportunity to play in our monthly actual play games where the dice are wild and we make every roll legendary. Tanari, the Universal Translator has come back with a result. And it has found in the patterns that you input, it has found, it did the harmonic frequency of the sensor results and the movement activities that you were tracking. And it has found complex harmonic frequencies reminiscent of bioacoustics. The Universal Translator thinks that with a combination of the movement analysis and this bioacoustic analysis, that it might be able to communicate. Bioacoustics, you mean space whale song? Acoustical patterns. Captain, the UT thinks we may be able to communicate with this. That's interesting because the sensors are reading a biological field of nearly 23 billion kilometers. Does it know if it's solid, liquid, or gas? It's currently saying yes. <laughs> if you ask that question, the computer runs some calculations and basically says that the, on average, the mass is 50 to 60% liquid and the remaining varying solids of density. That's roughly the makeup of most of our home worlds. You are correct. It's vaguely as water as you are. Essentially, if the Universal Translator thinks it needs more data, let's start doing some more. We'll tune uh, the, the sensor, modulate the deflector dish to send out the harmonic frequency patterns, and let's try and say hello. To modulate the deflector dish. <laughs> I'll say this if it's 50-60% liquid at least we're not looking at a 23 billion kilometer across crystal entity correct we're going to need to work on these conspiracy theories lieutenant <laughs> you've got an appointment with Starfleet counseling when we get back to Astalin station <laughs> oh god not that telluride doctor again I, I make a note <laughs> All right. Do I need to roll about modifying the deflector dish? Yep. 
I say the same as before, the deflector dish is the right piece of technology to use. And so this is, but again, this is, you all are using it in a new frontier sort of ways. It would normally be difficulty two. You've got the entirety of the engineering department behind you. So it's a difficulty one check. And this would be reason engineering. Oh yeah. Would improvisation kick in? My f- focus on improvisation. Yeah. Since I we're think kind so. of jury written. All right. Yeah. Since we've got it, I want to spend a momentum to get a third dice. I like it. And someone want to roll for the ship? Yep. All right. So my difficulty is 14. And out of all of that, three dice, I only got one success. A seven, all a right. 16, and a 17. Sensor science for the ship mm-hmm. is a two critical success. So that's three successes. Okay, cool. So you have enough successes to retune the the deflector dish and to try to send a message. What is the message you want to send? Take me to your leader. So <laughs> uh, I have. Uh, so I personally have Starfleet protocols. Uh, mm-hmm. as a focus. So this is a classic first contact protocol. So sure. I send the standard first contact message. Yep. We come in peace. Yeah. We are your friend. Okay. Cool. So you send that message through the deflector dish and I am going to spend to threat. You send the message. It It's sent off and then all of a sudden your sensor readings go bonkers like something it's almost like you yelled at someone across the room and they didn't know that you were there and you just scared the crap out of it and they came up swinging there is you've basically sensed a uh, gigantic sort of gravity temporal boom right around the area that the sensors had pinpointed as the location. So basically the sensors have detected a, like a, it's all, again, it's almost like you, you yelled across the room at this thing. It didn't know you were there and you scared it. And so it, it just has reacted violently. And now that it has done that, the sensor area is refining its uh, trajectory of where it is. And it seems that only part of it, moved and part of it stayed stationary okay so first off i'm gonna ask in the you said coming up swinging is there any kind of temporal gravitational damage done to the ship did we get sucker punched not yet but the sensors are now reading again one of those temporal ripples moving in the direction of the ship it couldn't reach you. It's because you're far enough away that it couldn't hit you. But when it moved, the effect is traveling is traveling at you. So you, there's like the same temporal wave that you noticed right before the sensors went offline. Before you're seeing another ripple moving at you. Very is, good. Shields up. Red alert. Arza, get us out of here. Uh, or back us away far enough. Uh, which one do you want? Uh, get us out of here safely. Aye, sir. Do your thing. All right. I'm, I need a con roll. Let's go ahead and see if you can avoid the thing. This will be a difficulty, too, because it's traveling in a straight line, and you're just seeing it. And control? Or daring? Uh, direct control would definitely work. Although direct a starship to avoid sudden danger for daring, that also works. And I, I would also recommend think, yeah. spending a momentum to roll a third die. Maybe even momentum for two dice. I can do either control or daring. They are exactly the same for me, so it don't okay. matter. Cool. Um, right. and, and if that is my command, I shall get myself more d20s. Yep. You could also give me three more threat and gain three additional time. That's what I'm just saying. That's an observation. But that's, I think we're good. <laughs> and one went right out of the thing. I forgot what discipline I said. Con, all right? Yep. Con, con and... You said control and daring are the same, yeah? Yes. So... So really, it's uh, up, it's up for, to you about how you're doing it. Are you doing it from like a controlled, like I can, like no problem, Captain. I can navigate around this without any problem. Or are you more like Ortega from from Strange New Worlds, who's like, oh yeah, I got this. <laughs> it's like, Pedal to the metal, Commander. Do the Ortega. 
I would say, <laughs> honestly, probably they're both just as cocky or confident. Either or, I have to beat a 15, or you'll be under a 15, and I have not you. I have two successes, two failures. Okay. Cool. Two successes is enough. Uh, you are able to position is the, the ship. ship able to assist with its uh, engines sure. con? Yeah, I think so. I think that makes All sense. Right. 14. Roll the 14. Okay, cool. So you gain one momentum back, which is nice. And you are able to position the ship. It's inevitable that the wave is going to hit you. However, given the way that the shield harmonics on the ship work and everything, you know that you can basically steer away from it and let the wave wash over you so at least it's consistent and you can minimize damage so the ship is not damaged. Maybe some minor effects reported through the ship, but uh, nothing damaged. The sensors all seem to still be online. It didn't seem to affect the computers because you were able to basically steer the important parts of the boat away from from the bad thing. So once once we're safe for the moment, I want to review what the sensors just told us because my, so my question is is there like a sub subtext let's say that was fed to the universal translator but that the big reactions are say ripples from somebody rolling over in a bathtub? Yeah, you... I'm trying to figure out how to answer your question, so... You understand my question. I think so. I As think so. As opposed to, to the vibrations from a from a whale singing un, under the water versus a whale breaching and, and scratching an itch. Did we startle and that's... It was the actual movement that created the wave versus... There was actual movement, and that was definitely reported by the sensors, that there was movement of gravitational patterns within that area of the nebula. So there was definitely actual movement, not just like theoretical movement or whatever, right? There was actual legitimate movement. However, the wave of of temporal energy that was shot out of the ship is not native to the nebula itself it seems to have been caused by so when a dog is wet and a dog shakes the water goes everywhere right so imagine that the water is okay actually even better better example if a dog is wet and the dog shakes water goes everywhere water would be the nebula right that would be gas clouds and things like that if the dog's also slobbering at the same time, right, the slobber is not part of the nebula, okay? So, this thing just shook its head and temporal slobber flowed at you guys. Okay. I'm tracking. This is a really bizarre analogy, but I hope y'all are with me. That's We deal in bizarre analogies. <laughs> I've never used the phrase temporal slobber before. This is uh, that's a new fr- that's a new one for me. Excellent. So. Tabletop journeys first. Exactly oh. right. Yeah. So that was interesting, Commander. Bridge to engineering. This yes, is Tanari. Yes, sir. Can you attempt to find a shield harmonics frequency that helps lessen or protect us from whatever this temporal energy is? Certainly, sir. Let me pull up the Enterprise files and see what I can find. Yep. <laughs> Tanari, you will find, when you're pulling up the files to go ahead and analyze uh, a shield harmonic that would work, that it seems that the the ship's chronometer is three seconds off from where it should be. Future or past? Yeah, past. So we're three seconds in the past from where we yep. were? Yep. Yes, Captain. Just want to report, though, it looks like we travel three seconds into the past. Fortunately, it was only three seconds. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly want to be here a couple hundred years ago. So, let me work on the shield, adjust the shields. I'm assuming that's reason engineering? Yep. So, Josh, essentially what I want him to do is create an advantage. Yep. Temporal shielding or whatever. Yep. That hopefully will block or help... So let's see. So to What's, create the advantage, do, 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 so basically just be it's like a what it's like a two difficulty roll to well, create it, the advantage. It depends on how difficult you think it is to obtain this advantage. 
So um, yeah, okay. the the general rule of thumb is if it would add one, if it would add or subtract the difficulty of one to a future task, it's roughly a difficulty two challenge. Yeah. Okay. But, that makes sense. Yeah. But for something like this, if we're going to like completely block and create a barrier for this temporal energy, yep, that could take three, four, even five difficulty to do. Yeah, I, probably not five, and it, you've got a fair amount of sensor readings that are identifying the, the particular signature that this temporal slobber takes. So I would say let's make it a four difficulty challenge, and if a, at four difficulty you would be able to totally block it from the shield harmonics. So let me then spend one momentum and two threat to get two more dice. One moment. And with that, my bold engineering will come into play. So additionally with that, because the galaxy is a dangerous place, which is one of my values, mm-hmm. and as commanding officer, I am going to give Tanari a point of determination to spend. I like it. I like it. Okay. You can use it for the, f- the four issues, the four things you can do. An auto-critical success a one or more full re-roll the saying a fact about the universe is true and then I forget the fourth thing you can do with it it's the, the surge of activity the, oh, um, the you surge can do of the extra you the, can the do that action. thing and then immediately do something else without yes. needing to roll for it alright then let me take the determination and get that's spend the determination I get one critical success so that would be two successes. it's like you rolled a one yeah. exactly yeah. So the way mechanically it is your so you have your two regular dice when you use a determination it's like you bought a third die but it's an automatic one. So if you wanted to roll a fourth die it would actually cost two momentum because your third die is pre-rolled. All right. So currently I've spent already for four four dice but if I spent the momentum I automatically start with two successes, correct? Correct. Yeah. So right now you've got the determination. So you've got two die. You've got three dice right now. One of which is auto an auto success. Okay. So one of my dice is already an auto success. It's not that I get an extra auto success when I mean, you spend the determination. You do, but yeah, when you spend a determination, you get a bonus d twenty that automatically rolls a one. Yeah. So it's a d twenty on top of what I've already got. Correct. Yeah. So you have to, you spend so, threat momentum to gain two more. So you've got four. He has just given you a fifth one, and that fifth one is a one. Okay, that's cool. Okay. All right, so let me go ahead and roll this. I've got a 14. All right, I got three successes. So that's a total of five, which with my engineering staff, I needed three successes, so that's two overs. So it's five, you needed three. Yep, so you got two extra. Yep. Someone want to roll for the ship. Yeah, so this is shielding. So Josh, structure security. Yep, I like structure. All right, so that's a 12 and got a 15. Cool, all right, so no help from the ship. And one one more thing. Bold engineering says if I spend threat to get an extra dice, I can re-roll one of my dice. Okay. I would like to re-roll the one that failed. Okay, I'm going to give you the two momentum, and then let me know what happens there. No no successes. Nothing. Okay, no love. Okay, cool. So, yeah, so inputting the information, you are able to you're able to succeed, and that was a difficult challenge to go ahead and do. You feel like the shield harmonics are properly tuned, that if any further temporal waves are emitted, that the ship would be properly shielded from them. Nicely done. Sir, the LaForge shields are active. <laughs> Very good, Mr. Tanari. Sorry, could you say that again? No, I'm just honestly, it's probably multi-phasic shielding, but yeah. Okay. All right, uh, Lieutenant Arza, bring us back into sensor range, and let's try this again. But at le- let's go fifty percent less power. Aye, sir. Sorry, we sup- startled you. We mean no harm. Down down the list of. We are attempting to communicate. We are sampling. Yeah. So that our universal translator can build a device, a library. Yep. 
All right, so you send that through the deflector dish towards the the origin that the computer has pointed out, and the little yellow blinky light on the communications panel, after a few minutes, starts blinking, as if it's gathering information in response. Sure, I think they're responding. Put it on speaker on screen. So there's no video, it is audio only, and what emits is this echoey kind of multiphasic voice that says, We are Navinod. And how would we actually, how would I pronounce it? Uh, here, I'll just spell it in the Navinod. I am Sabian Tobor of the United Federation planet ship Delamus Christian. It is wonderful to meet you. The little blinky light seems like it's recording input again, and then it shuts off and says that there's a recording ready. Arza, I'm assuming you put that on speaker when it's done? Yes. I am lost and stuck. We are happy to assist however we may be able to. Can you describe to us where you are supposed to be? Boom, 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 as the yellow light goes on, and it it blinks for quite a while. And then when it's done, Arza, what is reported to have been sent is an image, not audio. Without waiting, I will say this is the response, and I'll immediately put it up on the yep. on visual. Basically, what when the visual first pops up onto the wall, onto the display, it looks like the blackness of space. It looks like virtually empty, right? And as it's on there for a while, and as your eyes adjust to the image, you start seeing small points of light implying that there are distant stars in this image, but that it seems to be identifying where it wishes to be. Can, can our astrometrics database like triangulate anything out of this image? That's exactly uh, what I was going to ask. If I can, with my astrocartography as a focus, can... Uh, I will absolutely let you roll for that, Arza. Yeah. And... This is a fairly I, routine... T- this is a fairly routine task, so it's like a one difficulty task. Yeah, you... T- take the image, bring it to stellar cartography, run it through, see what happens. Yep. So just reason and con? I th- certainly think reason, because that's evaluation, but maybe reason and science gain useful data from witnesses or devise a rough hypothesis from incomplete data. That sounds like reason and science to me. So do I get anything extra since cart- astrocartography is a focus? That's what's allowing you basically to go ahead and do... You know how to run... It would be more difficult otherwise, yeah. Okay. I have one success, one failure. You only needed the one, so that's fine. It is... So when you run the image through stellar cartography, it spits out basically that the star field is is a known region of space outside of this galaxy, but not from now, from long ago light years and that okay i will report back so you'd walked did you went to stellar cartography right uh, yeah i probably would have been like hang on i got an idea and yeah, took yeah. off and come back okay cool this is what i found <laughs> yep basically stellar cartography reports that it is a known star field that has been surveyed through like deep scans outside of this galaxy but it's from a million years ago gravity and time so I am going, so like the next batch of communications, I want to try to essentially focus on understanding the nature of the creature. Mm-hmm. Are we literally talking to a sentient black hole or which is I'm totally cool with. I'll put yeah, that yeah. one up. Science. <laughs> the, the black hole's talking to me, man. <laughs> it's trying to pull itself out. Or if it's essentially stuck in the black hole, or stepped in a bla- the micro singularity of a bear trap. Yeah. 
Yep. So my two things is like what its nature is and the nature of the distress. Sure. Yep. How are you... I'll happily let you roll for that to interpret the sensor readings plus what it has said plus we can like gloss well, over like, the actual communication back and yeah. forth rather than having yeah I'm not gonna make you like ask the right question like that I will happily let you roll for it to go ahead and see if you can piece this information together based on the things that you can ask it and everything like that how do you think you are proceeding down this line of questioning so I'm proceeding scientifically like uh-huh. biological xenobiology like send this is a picture of what we look like what do right. you look like yeah. we yeah. are made up of mostly carbon atoms and Hydrogen right. and oxygen. Right, and right. Stuff. You yeah. are a yeah. micro black hole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Uh, essentially, you reason. So I'm looking at reason science, if possible. Yeah, you're forming a hypothesis from available data. Yeah, reason and science. Fabulous. Yep. What kind of difficulty are we looking at? I think you, you have a xenobiology background, right? I do have, I have xenoanthropology. Xenoanthropology. Okay. I'm cool with that. So. Let's say, let's see. I need to think here. How how well does it understand its situation? Let me answer that question. Okay. It understands its situation well. So I would say that this is a too difficulty challenge for you to try to break down how to get what it perceives, what its star system eldritch understanding of the universe is to try right. to get you to understand it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. Yep, so I say a too difficulty challenge. Okay, so with that, I am going to spend one of our two momentum. I like it for a third die and then can I get the ship's computer to help yeah I think so like like here eldritch entity here is all the sum of our knowledge that we have minusculely accumulated yep so like science communications for the ship or computer science because I'm like here's our database I would think so here's why I'm going communications because communications translator analyzed an unknown language okay Right. That works. So try to communicate with an unknown entity. <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah. Our columns so, are actually better than computers. So. Oh, see, there you go. You, Tenari, roll you, through that you sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> so. Tenari, you roll your D1. Are you rolling three? Okay. What am I rolling? The ship's communication science. All right. Which is... And I am... I did not succeed. I've only got one success. Okay. All right. So that did not succeed on the challenge. So the it's just not able to get enough information. The ship's computers are saying that probably at this range, you're just not able to ascertain enough about what's going on to draw the conclusion that you need. So perhaps so the ship is recommending a closer approach to investigate. Of course it is. Next time on Star Trek Preservations. Lieutenant, take us into the nebula. Okay, so as you are like nearing the point that the computer recommended, again, the sensor readings, the amount of data that the sensors are getting, because uh, you've done a bunch of work over the last hour or so to tune the sensors for specific things and everything like that, like the work that Sonari was doing down in engineering. Again, they are getting more information than, than they counted on, and it's beginning to show some surges in the power that it's taking to go ahead and keep the data contained and keep it from corrupting. We scan it. But, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we're scanning to attempt to understand how this temporal black hole mm-hmm. is interacting with Navidad, and possibly. Uh, so that's the data we're tr- I'm okay. trying to get, so that we can then hypothesize a solution. Sir. I don't know how to put this any other way. Are we basically trying to figure out, forgive me, are we basically trying to figure out how to temporally lubricate this thing to get him through? 